Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. The Bible tells us that a healthy heart leads to a healthy life. This series will empower you to live life with a healthy heart, the powerhouse of one's emotions, passions, and desires. Enjoy the message. We're going to focus on our heart. We're going to focus on what happens inside. Uh, How many of you have heard the phrase, New Year, New You, right? It's everywhere. It's on email headings. It's on commercials, right? Maybe you've said it to yourself. I hope not, right? New year, new you. And this is where people have already, you got the gym memberships. You're going to Planet Fitness. You're trying to improve your health. Many of you are trying, you got the Dave Ramsey, uh, you, you got the, the everyday budget going now because you want better finances. Some of you, you're like, I need better mental health. And so you're, you're doing different practices during the day. Whatever that is, it's, you're like, I got, it's a new year. It's, it's, it's a new me, right? And so many people, when they want to declare new year, new you, they go online. This is what I'm going to do this year. All right, it's day one in the gym, all right? I've seen so many of these people, it's day one in the gym, or it's day one on my new diet. I'm like, I want to see this social media post in July, all right? But new year, new you. New year, new you means a lot of you are going to have doctor's appointments or dentist appointments. Um, maybe I'm just going to get some, I'm just going to get transparent here. I went to my first dental appointment in four years last week, all right? New year, new you. I, I, COVID happened, and, I, and I've never done that before. I'm like, I am on time. I am twice a year. And I was... I think after like two years of not making the appointment that got canceled during COVID, I got scared. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have all metal teeth. I'm going to have cavities everywhere. So I finally went into it and the dentist went through my teeth and he's like, all right, we'll see you in six months. I'm like, wait, where's the cavities? He's like, no cavities, no cavities. Woohoo! So you know what I did? I went home and I celebrated eating the leftover Christmas cookies. New year, new you, right? There are plenty of books, self-help influencers on socials that will help you modify your behavior to where you can feel new, but it doesn't seem to be working. First off, let's take a look at that phrase for a second, new year, new you. On January 1st, you're the same person that you were on December 31st, right? Uh, and for you, you saying new year, new you, this has been a phrase or a mantra in our, in our society where literally you've had goals in 2014, now it's 2024 and it still hasn't happened. The reason why new year, new you, I think is oversold and it's just not true is because 91% of the people that make resolutions will not make it to the end of the year. Only 9% of the people fully make their New Year's resolutions. And most of the people quit their resolutions by the end of January. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't make them. I'm not saying that you shouldn't make goals and all of that. But the majority of the people that make resolutions is doing it because they felt pressured into doing it. So I want you to know this about this series. This is not a series on New Year's resolutions. This is not a series on behavior modification, becoming the best version of yourself, right? It's, it's none of that. Because behavior modification, yes, you can modify the outside, and some good things can result when you modify the outside. But listen, if it doesn't come from within, if it doesn't come from the heart, if God's not involved in rearranging your heart, then you're just dressing up the outside of a dirty dish, Therefore, our new series, The Habits of a Healthy Heart, we're going to talk about the heart, the underlying issue. 
So this week we're going to talk about the healthy heart life. Next week we're going to talk about the blessed life. And then finally, um, we are going to talk about the steady life. Your life. Now if we're going to talk about the uh, healthy heart, I think it's important to answer the question, what is the heart? Uh, when, when you hear the word heart, often you think of your physical heart. I think that's where we should start this morning. Your physical heart is amazing. It's a vital organ that ensures the delivery of oxygen and nutrients to all the cells of your body. It, oxen, it gives oxygen in the blood from the lungs and, and distributes it through the, the veins, the circulatory system. The heart delivers nutrients throughout the body from the food that you eat, which is essential for cell growth and repair. And the heart helps remove waste from your body. Over the course of a day, your heart will beat at least 100,000 times, which means your heart pumps 240 to 300 liters of blood in an hour. And that is 2,000 gallons of blood going through your heart in a day. That is an incredible organ. The heart continues to beat throughout your entire life. It doesn't take a break. If it does, it's a problem. It means you're, you're dead or you're in cardiac arrest, right? Your heart continues to beat all throughout your life, ensuring that you live. Because without a fully functioning heart, your life is majorly affected. Or with a heart that stops, your life is over. And I believe how, in, how essential our heart is in our anatomy, in our, in our biology, I believe that's why God uses the heart. He uses the symbol as, of the heart as the central place of our spiritual life. The Bible describes the heart as our spiritual center. It's used over 500 times in the Bible. The heart, the spiritual heart, is the center of your personality, your character. It's the source of how you process thoughts, whereas your mind can think thoughts, your heart processes your thoughts. It chooses what to dwell on. It chooses your attitude with those thoughts and how you use your speech with those thoughts. The spiritual heart, just like your physical heart, is a big, big deal. And it's so often ignored. It's so not often neglected. It's so often downplayed in the priorities of life. It's downplayed in comparison to maybe earthly pursuits. So how often do you think of your spiritual heart? How often? Do you think about it daily? Do you think, about where's my heart at? What's the condition of my heart? Is it healthy? Is, things, is it going well? How often do you ask that question? How often do you consider that? Often we think of, uh, at most, our spiritual heart health with scheduled events. Maybe we have a scheduled time to read our Bible, and that's when we think of our spiritual heart. Or maybe uh, it's when you go to church this morning, like, okay, I'm thinking about my spiritual heart now because we're talking about it, okay? So maybe that's the only time you think about it. Maybe it's at the prayer week. You're gonna, okay, whenever we have prayer weeks, we have prayer weeks at, you know, at different times of the year. Like, I think of my heart then. For some of you, it's at a worship night. For some of you, it's at your city group. Uh, and these are good and necessary things to be involved with. The Bible tells us to be involved in these things. But I want you to know is this, is that thinking about your spiritual health, your spiritual heart health, 
is not just something you schedule on the calendar. It's not just something you attend. It's not just something you do once a week. It's a lifestyle. It's everything. It's everything that you do and think and be. A healthy heart is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. So we're going to look at a number of scriptures that talks about our spiritual heart. But let's start off with the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs speaks of the heart more than any other book besides the book of Psalms. So it's number two in the Bible when it comes to the amount of times the heart is mentioned. And I believe this is important because the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And the reason why the heart is brought up so often is you cannot be wise if you're not paying attention to your spiritual heart health. So the book of Proverbs is a God-inspired, perfect collection of wise sayings and encourages us to live by the wisdom of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It's a Solomon writing at the peak of the kingdom of Israel, writing when he was presumably closest to the Lord before he fell into sin. He, he had, Solomon fell into some bad heart health and made some very bad decisions. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Everybody say all. All of your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust is a reliance on something. Trust is something that you can fall on and know that you're going to be held up. Has anybody ever done a trust fall before? Right? You go to these camps, and, and especially I was on a camp staff once, or if you bring a team, whether it be corporate or maybe it's a youth group or church or whatever, and, and, you, and they, they take you on these different, um, uh, these different stations at a camp where you can learn how to trust each other, and it usually culminates with the trust fall, where someone literally goes at the edge of a, at the edge of not a stage, but of a platform, they fall back, and the rest of the team is there to catch them. I remember... When somebody fell backwards and the team dropped them. Luckily, somehow, he was not injured. He should have been. People can be very, very injured when they put, place their full faith into something and it fails. I want you to know what we see here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, is that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not rely on our own understanding. Trust and rely can literally be the same word. When we are trusting or relying on the Lord, we are giving our full faith, our full heart, that we understand God is going to hold us up no matter the situation. The opposite is this. If you are trying to rely on your own understanding, if you're trying to rely on, your, uh, on something else, whether it be an addiction or a person or thing or possession, it does not have the integrity to hold you up. It can't. It will let you down. It will drop you. And that is why the only thing, the only person is the Lord God Almighty who could hold you up in any and all situations. I don't know what situations are going on in this room right now, but I know there are situations in this room, I'm presuming, right, uh, that God is literally holding you up. You're like, how am I here this morning? Because God is holding you up. And Solomon's telling his son, trust in the Lord with all of your hearts. 
But maybe this morning we're in this room and our heart is divided. Notice when we walk with the Lord with all our heart, when we trust in him with all our heart, he, right here, here it is, verse six, he will make our paths straight. But if we're honest, some of us this morning, some of us have walked into 2024 not walking in a straight path, but more like this. And you don't know east from the west, north from the south. Why? Because your heart is divided. Divided with what? Well, maybe you live for God when you're at church, around church people, uh, but maybe when you get to the office or you get to your friends at school or you get your, to your friends in the neighborhood uh, or in your private life, you're somebody completely different. Your values change, your speech change, your, your passions change. Maybe it's none of that. Maybe, maybe in your life your heart's divided because you take good things, good things in your life. Uh, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, sports or football. Those aren't necessarily bad things, all right? Somebody like, that's debatable, right? Sports, football, finances, your kids' activities, your kids' extracurricular activities, your kids, these are all not necessarily bad things. These are good things. These are blessings. And yet, the moment we take a good thing and we elevate it above God, that good thing becomes a God thing in your life, and that God thing ain't God. Does that make sense? You can make your kids God. You can make your spouse God. You can make, the, make something that you want and you don't have God you can make anything God if that thing begins to sit on the throne of your heart. If King Jesus isn't sitting on the throne of your heart, you got a false God clogging up your heart this morning. Where is your heart divided? Now remember, our physical hearts, they literally, they recirculate our blood supply 1,500 times a day. This is why blood infections are really dangerous. I spoke, of, I don't know, but last year I gave a, a story of when I had a staph infection and it was going up my blood and they realized if it goes in your heart, you're gonna have problems. Why? Because it was gonna start circulating it throughout your body. And so it's really important that if you have a blood infection that you get that under control because it's in the word of God. Some people say, I wish I could concretely hear uh, the words of God. I wish I could con concretely hear the voice of God and you got it. You got it right here. Even when, uh, even when it seems like, I don't know what God's doing in my life. I'm praying. I'm not hearing anything. I want you to know God is so merciful and loving. He gave us the enduring word of God that we can hear freshly his words that our life so desperately needs. We're to guard our hearts by being obedient to his word no matter what. Now, Solomon gives us the bottom line. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, he says this. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. God does not look merely at outward appearances. He doesn't. We live in a world today where it's all about outward appearance. It's all about the vibe. It's all about uh, how you come across the stage presence, you know, how you look online, all these things. And then the reason why people are so depressed after they scroll, I, I, I don't know of a single person like, well, I scroll for an hour and I just feel great, right? Nobody. 
said nobody. In fact, governments are thinking of actually banning uh, social media for people under the age of 13 in some locales. They're like, it's, it's too detrimental to mental health. We live in a society that loves the outward appearance exclusively. But God does not judge you merely by outward appearances. No, what he is more interested in is your heart. As the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. Salvation in Jesus Christ, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes you. It changes you from the heart inside and it begins to reflect in you over time on the outside. The heart is a mirror into our true character. For many of us, uh, we've only given a couple thoughts of our spiritual heart. And what I want you to know, if it matters to God, if it's so vitally important for your life, we need to be thinking about our spiritual heart health at least daily. It's a lifestyle. We need to pay attention and make it of utmost priority. Because a healthy heart is not an event, but a lifestyle. Your spiritual habits influence the health of your heart. So I want to take now the rest of our time that we've talked about the heart. I want to diagnose our hearts. Can we do that? All right, I want to do this. Uh, I, I don't want us just to have information of like, okay, this is what an unhealthy heart looks like. And then I want us to actually look into our hearts as we read this. And I want the spirit of God uh, to have his way in our hearts. Can we do that? All right. So this is what we're going to do the rest of our time. We're going to look at what an unhealthy heart looks like. We're going to look at a healthy heart, and then we're going to take a test, all right? Woo, boy, a test, all right? Let's take a look. What is an unhealthy heart? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if, you're, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, now, I've mentioned this before, but I think it bears worth repeating. Um, when we don't heed his word, we get a spiritual condition called a hard heart. Uh, in fact, even in the medical community, uh, there's a term for a hard heart. Um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. I'm looking at the nurses in the room, all right? They're like, yeah, that's, that's good. Move on. All right, so, anyway, so, yes, it's when we get a hard heart uh, inside that it, it, it prevents it from pumping properly. And you can live what seems like a normal life not knowing that your heart uh, it, it has, uh, is, is not pumping uh, to its maximum potential. And this often goes undiagnosed in people. It can ha cause severe consequences and up to cardiac arrest. When we harden our hearts to the things of the Lord, we may look like we are okay. We may look like that we are, we are doing the Christian thing. I'm attending church or I'm saying the Christianese words in, in, uh, in my day-to-day. -day. I'm lifting my hands. I'm singing the songs. You can do all the Christian things. Oh, well, by the way, Caleb, you got to throw that on the, on the radio, right? Or, or, or satellite radio or, or your Christian playlist on Spotify. Yeah, you got to put all that on there. Listen, here's the deal. These are all outward behaviors. They're not bad. I would encourage them. But the thing is, you can do all those things and yet your heart is dying. The Hebrew people, it was verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 3. It says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. The Hebrew people, the people of Israel, were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, they, they had to do all sorts of, of grueling work. And God miraculously 
rescued them. Literally walking them out of slavery, parting the waters, and into the promised land. Now, while they were walking to the promised land, they began to grumble. You know, when God gives us promises, and there are plenty of promises in Scripture, it's so often in the waiting, we begin to grumble. And they were waiting, they were walking, they were walking towards the promised land, and they, they, they made idols, they began to complain about the food, and finally somebody said, I got an idea! I know that God has a promise, but I like Egypt better. Yeah, I know we were enslaved. Uh, yeah, I know that, that we had to do a grueling work. Yeah, I know a lot of us died, but at least we knew our schedule. At least we knew what, what, we, what we were to expect. You know what? Let's go back to Egypt. Their hearts hardened and they began to rebel against the plan of God. You know, many of us, we like to think that we like freedom, right? We live in the United States of America. We love our freedoms, right? But did you know that a lot of us, we don't like freedom? We'd rather be enslaved. We'd rather, we, we'd, we'd rather go back to what we've been rescued from. We'd rather, we'd, rather, uh, uh, we, we'd rather go back to what we've been freed from. Maybe it's an addiction. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a hard situation. Maybe it's a group of people. And we're constantly like, I need to go back, I need to go back, I need to go back to that. Why? Because we, freedom, freedom comes at a cost. Think about this. Before I arrived at Kenosha City Church, I did urban ministry in Chicago. And while I was there, I had a really awesome friendship with a once homeless man named Jefferson. He went through the program. Uh, he was able to uh, uh, not only at first get food and a place to live, but then also trained him to get jobs. He, by a couple years down the road, he was even to live in his own apartment, pay rent. It was really awesome. And, and he knew Jesus. How awesome is that, right? Like he was, he was going through the motions to Jesus, right? Well, then there was a time where I wasn't seeing him anymore. And finally, I asked the director, where is Jefferson? They said, you didn't hear? I'm like, no, I didn't hear. He just upped and left. Up and left his apartment, upped and left. To where? The streets. Wait, what? He literally had freedom in his apartment, was getting a paycheck, was, uh, was, was eating food uh, from, that he was preparing at restaurants, he left that all to go back uh, into being captivated by the homeless life of living on the street, sleeping on the sidewalk, and digging through the trash and eating somebody's McDouble that was half eaten. Why? And this is burned in my mind. It's because how much we like to say we love freedom, we have the propensity to step back in to which we were freed from. Through Jesus Christ, we have been given freedom from our sin to have a pure heart. But for many, when we experience that freedom, we are going to have the temptation to step right back into what actually kills our heart. So let's check what an unhealthy heart looks like. Let's check and see if these elements are in our heart. Number one, an unhealthy heart is where sin is normalized. All right? An unhealthy heart is where sin is normalized. Now, for some of you in this room today, you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You've never given it a thought that you need to have a personal relationship with him. And so your sin is not forgiven. 
you need Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. So uh, there may be some of you here today where you need to get right with Jesus in that way. We're going to give you the opportunity in just a moment. But for the follower of Christ that's in this room, I want you to know that you may have the propensity to normalize certain sins in your life. When we normalize sin, we make excuses to stay where we are or to go back where we came from. Uh, we twist even scripture. We twist scripture to justify our life or our lifestyle and say that God approves even though he doesn't. Uh, we, we make excuses why we just can't uh, be successful or we can't be victorious. And this type of thinking is all over culture. This type of thinking is, is be happy, do what you want to do. And it's even invaded the church. It's an epidemic where things the Bible says run away from. Culture is saying we celebrate. And that's why even Bible-believing churches, people can sit in seats, they can sing the songs, they can pray long prayers, but their lives internally have not changed. And it's a tragedy. I do not want to be back here in 2034 and someone say, you know what, I heard that message in 2024 and I didn't change yet. It's a tragedy because people can sit in churches for, for years and even decades and they don't change. Listen, here's the deal. You don't have to change a thing to receive Jesus Christ in your life. But when you receive Jesus Christ in your life, he invites you to walk where he is going. And that process in scripture is called sanctification. It's a progressive growth in your life. We're not going to be perfect, but we're going to be growing. That's what God desires for our life, but our hearts are unhealthy if we just normalize sin and just sit back and say, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Where is sin being normalized in your life? Again, I asked a question this morning. Do you think about your spiritual heart health, all right? Let's talk about what makes it unhealthy. Where are you normalizing sin in your life? Uh, maybe it's the words that come out of your mouth. Uh, maybe it's the thoughts that you're dwelling on. Maybe it's your, what's in your browsing history. Uh, maybe it's your worry. Maybe it's your idolatry of what you're passionate about or what your hobby is. Maybe it's your sexuality that you haven't given over to God. Maybe it's the seeking out of the acceptance of people over God. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's cutting down other people. What are these things that are like, you know what, it's just me. No, Christ died on the cross so that we don't have to be me. We die to ourselves. We are crucified with Christ. It's we who no longer live. Jesus Christ lives in us. Normalized sin damages spiritual health. This isn't to say, though, that there won't be a struggle with sin in your life. It's very different what I'm talking about here. Your heart will be so vastly unhealthy if you're like, no big deal. Very different to where someone is, you're, sin, you're entangled in sin, you're, you're, you're struggling to get through it. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of like a stock market chart. Your life's like this. Hey, you know what? Uh, like, keep going. God is, you're able to lean on him with your full understanding. Keep going and fight through that sin because he went to the cross to pay for it all. But a unhealthy heart, they just normalize it and say, no big deal. Second area that points to an unhealthy heart uh, is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Now, a self-righteous person can be hard to pin down. If there are boxes to check of all the right behaviors, they may have them all checked. Uh, they, uh, but 
a self-righteous person is more worried about how people see them than what's really going on inside and what God sees. A self-righteous person thinks they got it all figured out and a self-righteous person naturally feels a little bit more superior than everybody else in the room. Hey, I'm walking in the room now. Uh, I have something to say to you. You better listen. And if you don't listen, (laughs) better watch out. God's gonna punish you because you're not doing what I told you to do. That's a self-righteous person. You have a superior attitude towards others. They think if you want God, then you need them to get to God. And they act like they hear from God more than anybody else. They tell others to obey what they say or feel. Uh, Self-righteous people make rules for people, but they don't necessarily need to apply to them. And these rules aren't necessarily biblical. It's legalism. Uh, Legalism is a big problem in churches. Big problem. In fact, in the spring, we're going to spend an entire uh, series in Galatians untangling what's it actually mean to be someone who's walking in freedom and not legalistic. I think that is so huge in walking in the grace of Jesus Christ. A self-righteous person, they're harsh, they're judgmental, they're somebody that you're walking on eggshells, or somebody that you're worried that the minute you leave the room, then you know they're going to be talking about you because they're not good enough. The Bible warns us about self-righteous superiority. Galatians 6.3 says, if anyone considers himself or herself but he's to be something when he or she is nothing, he deceives himself. We need to be humble, knowing it's our Lord God who is perfect, not us. In Kenosha City Church, let me just tell you this. If we can just... We just excel, excel a bit, right? We can just relax a bit. Because you don't have to be perfect. You need to be growing. You don't have to be perfect. God just wants you to pursue faithfulness. We are not perfect people. But we are people being made new in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Thirdly, an unhealthy heart is inconsistent spiritually. Is inconsistent spiritually. Uh, This is where attendance in church becomes spotty. The quality or quantity of your prayers are diminished. And complacency with the things of God has taken over your life. Inconsistency is dangerous to your spiritual health. Often we will start reading the Bible. Then uh, then weeks go by. I'm like, wait, I've been in the Word for a couple weeks. and didn't even notice. Um, For some of you, it's... uh, not being consistent is not being consistent in attending church. And some of you are like, well, you know, I just listen to worship or I just get together with Christians here and there and, that, and I'm doing pretty well. well. Let me just tell you this. Ten years ago, or probably more than that now, I went to a Hillsong United concert in Chicago. It was sold out. It was to the rafters. Uh, and, and yet, I, I remember leaving that place thinking, you know what, I'm never going to see a lot of these people ever again. Who I'm going to see are the people that I meet with and that we're committed to as a local church to worship together. The worst moment in my church history was my first semester in seminary when I was trying to find a church. And for some reason, I thought I had this grandiose idea. I was gonna go to a different church each weekend just to see what all churches are like. And I left that semester feeling completely disconnected, completely unblessed. Why? Because I wasn't sharing in the growth of God with a committed body of Christ as a local church. We need to be consistent as a local church body together. 
For many, we have an inconsistent prayer life. We can go through half our day not saying a word to God, and yet our worry outpaces our prayers. And I want us to see us flip that equation. I want us to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I want us to you know, just say, God, I, I am worrying about something, and instead of dwelling on this and trying to figure this thing out or going through the same scenarios in my head over and over and over again, I'm giving this to you, and I'm trusting you. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I am leaning with you with a full heart. When we become complacent, when we become inconsistent, it's a disease that overtakes our heart. So a unhealthy heart is where sin is normalized, self-righteousness uh, abounds, and we're inconsistent spiritually. It's one or all of those. So let's give a snapshot now. What is a healthy heart? What is a healthy heart? A spiritually healthy heart is a heart that loves God. It's a heart that is after the things of God. And this is seen through obedience to his word. Psalm 119, verse 1. How happy are those whose ways is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with, here it is again, let's say it together, all our heart. Again, the world says, be happy, do what makes you happy, do what makes you feel good, uh, just, just be you. And the world is selling his false hope of happiness. Do yourself, buy this, smoke this, be accepted by this certain group of people, ooh, you'll, you'll feel good and you've made it. It might give you temporary happiness, it might give you temporary hope, but it's gonna leave you hanging because that's not what you were made for. C.S. Lewis, he said it this way, don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Let your happiness be found in the love of God and pleasing him. Now, this is where many people get it wrong. People believe that if obedience is a sign of a healthy heart, this is where a lot of people, maybe you grew up in church and you heard this, maybe you believe this, whatever, you're like, okay, if, if I'm gonna have a healthy heart, if I'm gonna be accepted by God, then I gotta get all good and I gotta get right and I gotta, I gotta be almost perfect before God will receive me. And maybe you, you grew up and you went through certain catechisms or you went through certain things and you're like, okay, God, I, 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 here I am, I'm ready now. Did some of you grow up that way? We thought, like, I got to get all cleaned up before God can receive me? No. God receives you as you are, and he takes you where he's going. And obedience is not a way to where you hope to be uh, received by God. Or Obedience isn't something to where you hope that you are, are going to gain his salvation or acceptance. No, rather, obedience is a response to what Jesus did for you. It's a response out of love saying, Jesus, I realize that you stood in my place. And I want to give my life to you. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us, not because of righteous things he had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Obedience is the love language of God. He loves it. The reason why we're obedient to God is because he's God and because what he did for us. And when we receive Jesus Christ, it is a natural response out of a heartfelt of thankfulness, out of a heartfelt of worship to the one who saved us to give him our entire heart. 
When you place your faith in Christ, you're made new. You're given the Holy Spirit to empower you to change your heart. And you become obedient because you love him. Do you love God? Obedience is his love language. A spiritually healthy heart loves God. It's obedient and it overflows with praise. Psalm 63.1, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live at your name. I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Have you ever wondered why we sing in church? Have you ever wondered why when you come into church and, and we're singing? It's because God loves it. You want to know why we sing? Because he's worthy of our praise. God made us to praise. And listen, if you're not praising God, you're praising something. And the highest praise must be reserved for the Savior. Now, Elias, my son turns 13 today, all right? Isn't that, like, you've been warning me about this for three years, and it's here, all right? I'm freaking out right now, all right? So, but he turned 13 today, and um, it's a big milestone in the McGowan home. But when he was little, he painted this painting. I even brought this painting up once, and he stood at the couch and held it up, and I was scrolling on my phone, and I didn't notice for about five minutes, and he just stood there. And then finally, I looked over. I'm like, wow. And I realized he's going to stand here until he receives praise. He longs for that praise. I want you to know that when we praise God, he longs for our praise. God doesn't need our praise uh, like we human beings. It's, it, it's, we, we see this even mentally. Praise is... It, Without praise, it's mentally damaging, all right? But God, it's not, we're not going to damage him if we don't praise him. We praise him because he's good. We praise him because he desires it and he loves it. And we praise him because it's good for our heart. And when we praise him, we are reminding ourselves of how good God is. We're reminding ourselves of who's in control. We're reminding ourselves oh, that he is mighty to save. We're reminding ourselves that when things don't seem to be working out in this life, we can go to the one who owns the cattle on the thousand hills, who knows what is best for our life. And even when we're let down, we know that we can lean on him, not with our own understanding, but in his his character because he is good and he's able to hold us up and that is why when we praise that's why when we give him our highest praise you see different outward manifestations make no mistake we don't judge people by manifestations like oh man this place is really worshiping today because every person in this place has their hands up and eh, wrong no god wants our heart and praise and when we give him our heart and praise hands will be up in desperation for some people some people are going to bow down on their knees and they're going to realize god i need you some people are going to shout out in a moment say God you are good amongst praise you're going to hear shouts of praise because they realize where they came from and where they're at now and what God has done and for some people they're just going to be singing joyfully but here's the deal the outward if it's real will come from the overflow of what's happening and the inward of the heart. And when we live life with joyous praise, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when we come into this room, it's like, get out of my way. I gotta get to my seat because I gotta praise Jesus because I got an overflow of the heart that's coming out.
You get what I'm saying? That's why we sing. And for some of you, like, wow, I didn't know that. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's give God the praise that is due to him. Out of our mouth should be praise. Out of our mouth should also be prayer. Psalm 119, 145, a healthy heart is going to be one that prays. I call with my heart. Answer me, Lord. I obey your statutes. I call to you. Save me, and I'll keep your degrees. I rise before dawn, and I cry for help. Man, have you ever woken up in the morning, and it just seems like, it's just out of nowhere, all the pressing things that you haven't been thinking about, you wake up in the morning, and oh, there they are. Are you with me on that one? Right? Or am I just the only crazy one here? All right, it's all right. It happens to me, right? Man, all right, so David, he's saying it too. All right, all right, we're in good company. I rise before dawn and I cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. I'm awake through each watch of the night and meditate on your promise. Have you ever woke up in the night and you just can't get back to sleep because there's things going on, right? God is there. And keeping with your faithful love, hear my voice. And oh, does he. He hears your voice. When you place your faith and trust in Christ, you get 24 hours. And today, this year's a leap year, 366 days of full access to God. It is not a chore to go to God. When we make prayer a chore, we're forgetting about who we're talking to and what he can do. Prayer is a privilege. It is an awesome privilege. And at Kenosha City Church, we are going to go to God. We're going to trust him and what only he can do. We're going to trust him to give us wisdom, to give us vision, and to intercede in areas of our life that we so desperately need him because we're desperate without him. We want to offer space for prayer. Did you know before this service at 8 o'clock, we have people that are praying upstairs in our prayer room. We'd love for you to join them. Did you know that after each service, we create space to where you can pray with our prayer team? And yes, uh, throughout the year, we have our prayer weeks, which happens to be this coming week, where we pray and we seek God's face, that God give us vision. Be our vision, oh Lord my God. A healthy heart is a heart that loves God. A healthy heart is one that's obedient, that overflows with praise, and abounds in prayer. A spiritual healthy heart is also a heart that loves the church. Ephesians 5.25. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain and wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. When I go through premarital counseling, and I'm like, I point to the guy and I say, hey, you need to lead spiritually. And he's like, <laughs> like, yo, you want to know what that means? And I read right, I go right to Ephesians chapter 5. It's like, you got to lead like the sacrificial death of Jesus. How's that sound? Right? Uh, what's that mean? Oh, that's, <laughs> this is what this means. It is a full life sacrifice of, of sacrificing your life for the love of your spouse. And when we get this picture, it's actually God's love. Jesus' love for his church. He considers the church his bride. And there are a lot of people today, they say they love Jesus, but they don't love the church. Maybe it's, oh, the church, they, 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 some people hurt me there, or, or, oh, man, they downsize the programs, you know? I mean, American Christianity, Western Christianity, we become experts at what the perfect church is all about. The perfect church. I got a newsflash. Push notification just came in all our phones. You want to know what's up? There is no perfect church. You want to know there's no perfect church? 
Because there's people. There's you. There's me. There's all of us. We mess things up because we are messy people. Now, I'm not saying that, okay, it's a free-for-all, all right, hey, you, me, let's go, right? I'm not saying that at all. But even at our best, we mess things up and we need the grace of Jesus. The church is not just for you. The church is not to be perfect. It's to be faithful to his word. The church isn't to be perfect. It's to be people becoming more like Christ. The church is not so we can consume. Rather, the local church is the visible hope to the world to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And as we personally connect people in our lives to the power of the gospel, and when people say yes to the gospel, you know what happens? People are made new. That's the church. We're not consumers, but we're contributors to the mission of Jesus Christ, to reaching your city, your spheres of influence, your friends, your workplace, your place that you get your coffee, you get your groceries, or wherever you go. Everyone and everyone in the sphere of your influence can hear the gospel to people here at Kenosha City Church. That's what God wants. I'm gonna tell a story, all right? So I had a question mark here. I'm going for it. This was a long time ago in the midst of time, all right? So nobody knows anybody in this story, all right? This is a long time ago. Everybody's in heaven in this story. There was a time in my ministry here in Kenosha uh, that people really got into the uh, church growth and they got into the, like, the whole like, idea of like, consumeristic church and they became what's in it for me. And somebody <laughs> came into a church service I was at they came in with a, a guy that said, I need a ride. And he begrudgingly went and got him and, and picked him up. The guy gets into the lobby, begins to gasp. He falls over and he dies. He dies right there in the lobby. But the person who brought him didn't wait for him. He came in to sit in his pew. And at the end of the service, he was looking for the individual. And I went up to him and I said, who are you looking for? He goes, I'm looking for this, this gentleman that I brought. It's like, why didn't you sit with him? Uh, well, I, I, I don't do that. It's like, I'm looking for him, though. Well, you don't need to take him home. Well, why? And I got a little cheeky. I said, because he died. He's like, oh, my goodness. It's been many years now, so this is the first time I've shared this story. But here's the deal. It's been etched in my mind is that God has made us not people to be consumers, to consume something, but to be a community. To be, when we invite somebody, we sit them next to us. And I don't know the whole situation with that. But we were at a time where it was cold and people didn't have a heart for the people that sat next to them or the people that they were reaching in the community. It's not just about you. It's about what God is doing in and through you in the community of Christ in a world that is so lost and needs the gospel. A spiritually healthy heart is a heart that loves the church and loves the people, whether they're in the church or they're lost outside the church. We need to love people. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. The church is the people of God meeting together. Remember I said there's no perfect church because we, we're, we're here, right? 
Listen, we often think of the church building as the church, and we are blessed with the church building. The church building should be, it is the hub, a ministry hub of which we hope this building, of which we're investing in, will be a hub for decades to come for this community and, and, and the region around. But the church is the people. And we're thankful for this building, but we love the people. We love each other, and we're going to speak honor of each other. We're going to encourage each other. And when someone is down, we're not going to kick them. When they're down, we're not going to gossip about them or, or tear them down further. That's not the church. There's plenty of other institutions in this world that you can get involved in if you want to do that, but not the church. That's not going to be celebrated here. Instead, we're going to pray for one another. We're going to spur each other on. And as a result, we're going to see people become more and more like Jesus. And we're going to see the mission grow, and we're going to see families restored. We're going to see areas of the city that has never been reached. Spiritually healthy heart is a heart that loves people, loves the church, loves the people in the church, and loves the mission of the church. The mission is not about what we make it. The church has a clear marching order from the Lord himself. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man, that is Jesus, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. When people want to make church about whatever they want to make it about, and listen, we can do a lot of good things, but there's a main thing that we cannot neglect. We can't neglect it. And yet it's being neglected in a majority of places. It is saving the lost, seeing and saving the lost. Jesus Christ gave his mission statement. Now some, some people say, well, that was Jesus' mission statement. He's Jesus. We're not Jesus. Okay, guess what? He passed off his mission statement to us when he ascended into heaven after his resurrection. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always until the end of the age. We do communion to the end of the age. We're on mission till the end of the age, and that's when Jesus Christ comes back. We will be a church that moves the needle forward. We've been told by people before, oh, you're just the evangelism church. And at first I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we should all be the evangelism churches anywhere and everywhere. If we're gonna be on mission, it's not about me making up a mission. This is my mission for this year. We're gonna have a vision message in a couple weeks. We're gonna talk about where we're going as Kenosha City Church in 2024. But what I don't want you to do is like, well, this is what I want. I want what God wants, right? And we need to clearly do what God says to do. To be a church that is on mission to move the gospel forward, to make room in our circle of friends for new people, to make room, uh, inviting people, reserving a seat for the people that are going to be sitting next to you, by inviting people into our city groups. And I'm going to give the gospel every week. If you've been here for more than a couple of weeks, you know that. It isn't like, I'm going to give it. We, we, we must. But I believe in this year, not only are people going to hear the gospel every week here, God's going to empower you to give the gospel and share the faith and, and care for people in this community in ways that you haven't before. Romans 1, 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then also the Greek. A healthy heart is not an event. It is a lifestyle. So here's our test. You're going to want to get out your phones, uh, you can, or you can find this on, the, uh, on our app uh, when you rewatch the message, and you can screenshot it there. But let's do a spiritual heart health check as we close today. Am I relying on Jesus alone to get into heaven? If the answer is no, then your heart's dead and needs to be made alive through Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you the opportunity in just a minute. Do I tell others about Jesus? Do I tell the truth? Do I gossip? Do I have a critical, judgmental spirit? 
Do I care more about what others think about me or what God thinks? Do I worry rather than trust God? Am I kind toward others? Do I tithe? Am I worldly-minded or Christ-minded? Do I live in a biblical in my sexuality? Am I generous or do I hoard money? Do I help those in need? Do I make time to pray? Am I thankful in all circumstances? Am I boastful? Do I dwell on or ponder impure, unholy thoughts? Am I keeping a record in my mind of wrongs that others have committed, uh, that others have done to me? Have I forgiven those who have hurt or wronged me? Am I active uh, in the church? Do I love the Lord with all my being? Do I study the Bible and what it says? This is a list, by the way, I, uh, that, was, that I received from crew. And I thought it was so good. I'm gonna add one more. Am I living life by my own talents and, and, and abilities? Or am I living my life in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? It's one more, it's a bonus one. So Father, I pray right now that as we seek what's going on in our heart, that we would trust you, that we, uh, that you, you, we would allow you to do whatever heart surgery, whatever stint you need to put in. God, give us a pure heart. Give us a clean heart. Father, I pray uh, for anybody in this room that has not placed their faith and trust in you. In fact, as we continue to pray, let me just talk to you. If you are not certain you have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that you need to make certain of that right now. Your heart isn't even alive. You see, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that you become born again. Your spiritual heart begins to beat. If you've never placed your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, given him your whole heart, you need to do that today. So Lord Jesus, I pray if there's anybody here today that needs to give their life to you, they would do that right now. In fact, with every head's bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if you know that you want to place your faith and trust in Christ, that you want to make sure of it today, but no one look around, just slip up your hand. Say, that's me. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to help you receive Christ right now. All right, see you over there. All right, awesome. So, Father, I pray for anybody here today responding. I pray, God, that they would place their full faith and trust in you alone, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead, and that you're making them new. Father, I pray for every single person in this room. I pray that you would give us a healthy, spiritual heart. And that God, this year ahead, would be one of spiritual growth we've never seen in our life, in our entire life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.